Welcome to Corazon Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive Podcast. Today's guest is Aid McCormick. Aid McCormick focuses on helping people thrive in the digital age. His clients range from individuals to intergovernmental organizations and include many of the world's most popular brands. He is a former technologist who today largely engages with leaders, so he provides his clients with a unique bits to boardroom perspective. He is a former track athlete and currently a parkour practitioner who studied astrophysics and so he similarly has a unique cells to cosmos perspective. Aid is typically called upon to provide advice around transformation. He is a popular keynote speaker covering various strategic themes including leadership, transformation, and the future. Aid has also written six books, lectured at MIT, is a former columnist at the Financial Times and CIO magazines, worked in approximately 40 countries around the globe, and is the founder of the Digital Readiness Institute. Good afternoon, Aid. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Brian. Delighted to be here. So, Aid, uh, I'm going to start off this morning. Our listeners and our readership really would like to learn a little bit more about um, what you've done, and you've definitely traveled the globe, uh, you've traversed the globe through your career. What's that? What's the one or two takeaways you've learned about your time with these organizations and, and what they're looking for? Well, I guess the world, you might say, is split into two parts. The first is those that have their future ahead of them and those that perhaps their future is behind them. And when you work with those that have their future ahead of them, for example, they they perhaps missed out the industrial era, they're going straight to digital and that's very exciting. The ones that you might say have their past behind them are those that are kind of locked into an industrial era model and are struggling, if you like, in many respects uh, to move beyond that. You know, they may well have uh, tertiary economies and so on, um, but they're not really transforming their organizations because there's just too much uh, legacy to deal with. That's a very interesting point, um, and as I've, I'm sure as you've been reading, I've been reading as well. Is it, it is now the the considered the fourth age with uh, this digital transformation, so to speak, and machine learning, uh, where you know we're seeing starting to see jobs that uh, repetitive type task work is being replaced by machines. So um, it is interesting that uh, people, some people are making the shift, and some people aren't, and as as you stated, um, you know, if you look back at the Fortune 500s, uh, since 2000, about 54% of them are, are, are gone now because they didn't do exactly what you were saying about that, that transformation. Yes, I think, I, think, I think a lot of the established players are under the misbelief that what made this, them successful in the past is going to make them successful in the future. And in an increasingly unknowable future, you, you cannot make that assumption. I would agree there. So, Aid, what's the biggest burning question you get from people then um, when, you're, when, you're, when you're out speaking at these organizations? Uh, I know you get hit up for questions. What's the one thing that sticks out, the, the, I guess, the common denominator uh, between these organizations? Uh, well, if, I guess my clients split into two categories in the sense that Many of them are major technology players themselves, and their primary care about is being strategically relevant. So their interest is all around 
how do we get the attention of the C-suite and how do we maintain it? And then there is the, if you like, the rest of the universe, the end user uh, world. And, and their focus primarily is around how do we transform for this unknowable future? But when it comes to speaking events, at some point during the Q&A, people will ask the question, um, what does this mean for my children? Or what should I be saying to my children in order for them to be economic, economically relevant when they grow up? That's interesting. Um, I wouldn't have necessarily thought about that on the latter part of, of or the second question from the year-end user group, but that, but that is an interesting question it, uh, for sure. Aid, from your experience vantage point then, how is technology revolutionizing uh, our current work environment? Well, I guess a few years ago, it was us versus the robots. Now we're starting to think a little bit more along the lines of it's us and the robots. So in many respects, smart organizations are, if you like, building human-centric organizations and then, if you like, uh, augmenting our human capabilities with technology. Um, and to create an environment that brings out the best in humans, I, I'm not an anthropologist myself, but I have studied the work of anthropologists, and we've got certain, if you like, natural anthropological drivers. For example, the need to be mobile, the need to be social, the need to be curious, the need to be courageous, the need to be productive, and the need, and the need to have a sense of purpose. So smart organizations are building, if you like, those anthro drivers into the workplace um, so that we go to work and feel fulfilled as human beings, because that's how we lived our lives up until around 300 years ago. And then when we moved into this, if you like, factory model, we had to actually suppress our natural human uh, inclinations because we were in fact simply technology placeholders in the factory machine waiting for the technology to mature to the point where they could do the processes uh, that we were doing at that time. And we're now at a point in time where increasingly more and more of the process work can be done by um, technology. So that throws up the question, what do we do with our humans? And I guess the smart organizations are harnessing the cognitive potential of their people and they're building environments that in many respects could be regarded as a cognitive gymnasium. That, that's an interesting um, way to put it, Aid. I would say the, the people that are actually going to move into the future, not be left by the wayside, are those that are embracing um, the, the uh, machines at this point. And, and, and actually, it's a partnership at this point. You know, I know a lot of people out there are skeptical about the machines taking over and it's going to be the matrix all over. But, but right now, those people that are learning and embracing and working together with the machine, there is a, a, a more, I'd say, a, a greater benefit uh, working together versus uh, the machine trying to do everything itself because it, it actually can't at this point. The technology just isn't there. But but interesting point for sure. So, Aid, I, I, another question that um, it, I, I get asked this a lot and I'm sure you, you do as well, but how is the role of IT, information technology, and the, the chief information officers changing? You know, 20 years ago, obviously, there, there's, a, there's a big change, right? But even just in the last five years ago, what's how's the role of IT and the CIOs changing in your, in, from your perspective? Well, I'm, 
I guess where I'm seeing the most um, activity is to some extent in the CTO's role, the chief technology officer's role, because organizations are starting to wake up to the fact that emerging technologies in particular can be you know, organizational or even sector uh, game changes. I guess if I look back over the last 20 or 30 years, um, I haven't seen a tremendous amount of change in terms of the CIO. There is more focus on transformation, granted, but the transformation in itself is really transformation of the existing business processes and the, if you like, the um, mechanisms for connecting with the market and so on. But I'm not seeing, as much as I would like, CIOs uh, engaging in, if you like, business model disruption and turning data into value, and in essence, creating data-driven organizations. For me, that's a really big opportunity for CIOs. One of the big challenges that CIOs have, in, in my experience, is that they don't get enough airtime with the CEO. Uh, whereas the sales guy does or the finance guy does um, because they're talking about money they're talking about assets uh, the cio has generally not been able to have an asset-based conversation apart from around very fast depreciating assets like hardware and software if the cio couches the concept of data well, couches data as an asset class then with a, an actual financial value, then I think the CIO is more likely to get airtime with the CEO. So I think there has, the dial has moved in a, in a positive direction, so to speak, in terms of the CIO's relevance or strategic relevance. But in my view, there are not enough uh, CIOs in the C-suite, and that is indicative of organizations not really getting the power of new technology and in terms of converting data into insight. I, I can actually share you know, my experience uh, when I was a CIO and moved into the, the C-suite or into, into the boardroom. Uh, huge difference. Uh, prior to me arriving in that position, uh, there was no IT representation at that level. And you could, you could certainly see when I came into the organization uh, how lacking uh, the, the the technology department was, and and a lack of a overall technology strategy to support the business. So, uh, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, the the CIO needs to be at the table and um, providing business to the value, providing advice, getting more airtime, as you say, to the CEO. So, great point. And and Ada, I'd like to just wrap up real quick. What's what's our, especially our readers are, are young and up-and-comers, right? What advice would you give uh, emerging IT leaders? Well, I would say that um, technology is very important. I would say it's more important than it was uh, 10, 15 years ago because we do have some game-changing technologies uh, in the market now, and they are disrupting whole markets. So do not lose uh, your technology skills um, because because I th they're very important basically uh, I would focus on let's say let's say CIOs and aspiring CIOs are naturally very strong from an IQ perspective I would encourage um, 
development on the emotional intelligence side. And I know I'm generalizing here, but as a former technologist, I, I, I know the problem having had the problem. Um, emotional intelligence and particularly political intelligence understanding how the game is being played at the top table, arriving at board meetings, knowing that actually the decisions have been made. So any comments you make, uh, no matter how wise, will be kind of frowned upon. So understanding how decisions are made in the organization, using the language of the leadership when you're talking to the leadership and using the language of technology when you're talking to your team. And we live in a world now increasingly where uh, just having leader on your business card doesn't actually confer you with leadership. You have to genuinely en engender followership. And that means inspiring your team, uh, looking out for your team, operating as a team. And these are skills that some of us who have come up man and boy through the IT function have not really had to learn. We've relied on a kind of task-driven uh, model where essentially your team are autom automatons that do what they're supposed to do, otherwise they get told off. We have to recognize that our people need to be treated as people, need to be respected as people, and have the flaws associated with people, and therefore we need to take a slightly more flexible, less Gantt chart-driven approach to managing people. Thank you, A. That was a, that was a great uh, conversation that we had here uh, this afternoon, and I, I do appreciate your time. So thank you again, Aid, and we'll have you back on the show soon.